Teams are getting smaller, but you still have to get your research in field. If only you could partner with a global expert to be an extension of your team without the extra overhead. Look no further. Gazelle Global provides the ad hoc services you need when you need them. Visit gazelleglobal.com to learn more about how we can handle global sampling, field management, data collection, and more. Our team is ready to lend our expertise to complete projects to your specification. Visit gazelleglobal.com today. Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. I am so excited to have one of my great, great friends and a former podcast guest back on, Peter Leviton. Welcome back to Ponderings from the Perch. How are you? I'm happy to be here. Well, it is so nice to hear from you, and I'm glad in the last uh, couple of months we've gotten a chance to reconnect. I have to just start by telling my audience what an important part of my current success Peter Leviton is. <laughs> so, uh, hats off to you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, if I can help a little bit, that, uh, you know, that works. So good. Good for you. Well, I wanted to reach out to you because I know there are a lot of agencies that are hurting in this current environment, and a lot of people are trying to figure out what is the way forward. And immediately I thought, you know, when I was really hurting for understanding where to take my agency, I was lucky enough to come across you, and we ended up in a consulting engagement. And what you offered to me was so helpful, and I thought, gosh, if I could really be helpful to my audience right now, I would get Peter Levitt on back on the phone and let's actually do a podcast so people can learn from what you do and really all of your years of experience. So do you mind if I just pick your brain for my audience? Go ahead and dig in. <laughs> well, Peter, tell us just a quick background from you because, you know, I can just say Saatchi and Saatchi and people go, okay, I should listen to this guy. But honestly, there's so much more in your past with, with so many different agencies you've owned that give you the gravitas. So don't be modest for just one second. Let my audience know just really quickly where the gravitas comes from about the, the expertise you're about to share with everyone. Well, I will do that. I, and I'm also going to tell you that uh, a, a bit of this conversation is going to be about me because I believe that I'm my own uh, sort of petri dish here. And what I do for myself, what I'm thinking about the market uh, and the kinds of applications that I come up with and solutions are frankly things that work for me. So let's go backwards for a second. Uh, I started life as a photographer in San Francisco. It's somewhat relevant, irrelevant, except if we get to into this conversation and I can say the words Reggie Jackson, who is a Hall of Fame baseball player, we will get back to that. I worked in an agency for a year called Dancer Fitzgerald Sample in New York, which was the largest advertising agency in New York. Clients like Procter & Gamble, General Mills, Airlines, Nabisco, you name it. <clears throat> As I said, the largest agency in New York. It was a madman agency. It was actually discussed on the TV show Mad Men. And of course, Saatchi and Saatchi bought it, I say, of course, because they were uh, like a Pac-Man at that point. They were buying everything. So I wound up working at Saatchi for 16 years. I ran accounts, major accounts. I lived in New York. I opened an office in Minneapolis. I lived in London, ran accounts across Europe in 10 countries. I ran business development in Europe. I came back to New York, ran business development. And when I came back to New York in 94, 95, I discovered the internet. It was me. I admit it. I discovered <laughs> it. 
<laughs> I'm going to have to call Al Gore and let him know. <laughs> yeah, Al and I are very cool. Okay. <laughs> and um, I tried to get the agency into it. We were at that point, Saatchi was failing and uh, I got no takers, uh, but I was hired by the company that owns Condé Nast and at that time Random House and newspapers all over the country, a company called Advanced Publications. And they asked me to try to figure out how to put newspapers online. I would have to say for a couple of years, that's probably the most exciting thing I ever did. Uh, that was a lot about how do you invent online advertising. I then went into the chatbot business. We were a predecessor for, of Siri. That folded in the dot-com bust, although Microsoft bought the technology. Thank you, Microsoft paid for college education, et cetera. <laughs> I moved to Oregon from New York, opened in, well, actually I bought an advertising agency then bought another advertising agency that was called Citrus, offices in Bend, Oregon, and an office in Portland, and major clients, including a Nike agency of record. I sold the agency, praise the Lord, and, uh, <laughs> and um, I then became a consultant to advertising agencies in the area of business development. I've been doing that about six years. Mm, my gosh. And, you know, this is funny because a lot of my audience does know Kristen Luck, and we didn't know that we would ever have that mutual connection. But being in Bend, you knew her through Agency World. I ended up getting to meet her and sharing a stage with her in New York. And it's funny because years later, we made the connection that we, the three of us, were connected, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And in fact, uh, if your listeners are listening, and hopefully that's what they're doing, uh, they should listen to the podcast you did with Kristen because it's excellent. Oh, well, thanks. She, she again, is another person that's on my short list of people I'm just abjectly thankful for. They have been key in helping me build a successful business. And I just absolutely believe in giving credit where credit's due. So can everybody just agree with me that Peter knows what he's talking about? And we're going to have a really great conversation. I'm going to dive in and really get to the core of what he gets asked all the time with what he does now. And right now, what he does is he does consulting for advertising agencies. He helps them build and develop real plans to grow their agencies. And I got to say, um, uh, um, I can imagine that you have had interesting conversations in the last year and in the last, um, you know, time since COVID-19, I'm sure the conversations have even got weirder and probably more laden with anxiety. <laughs> so let's kind of start back at the core of what you truly believe, or really not, maybe not what you truly believe, but who you truly help. You help companies who really don't have a plan and they're absolutely getting ignored. Is that correct? That's, that is pretty good. It, it is uh, amazing to me and I've seen different statistics, uh, but I'll use 60 to 70% of agencies have a business development plan. That means 30 to 40% do not. Mm -hmm. And uh, even the ones that do, when I ask them, what do they do for business development? They say uh, word of mouth and referrals. Oh, and, um, I, my, <laughs> Sorry, a little my, piece of me just died, Peter. <laughs> yeah, no, no, hey, uh, there's nothing wrong. You know, when I worked at Saatchi and we were the, you know, frankly, the most famous agency in the world and the largest and very successful and creative, uh, the phone rang. Our other clients told other people about us. That's fantastic. But you can't live by that because it's sort of like being a, and I'll go backwards in time, a movie ingenue from the 1940s sitting by her phone 
uh, and yes, her phone waiting for the waiting for the guy to call. And mm-hmm. uh, that is not sales and business development. Uh, if it works, great. But as I always say to agencies, eventually you run out of friends. So, <laughs> uh, you know, you have a, a problem there. So um, I do counsel agencies on how to develop a plan. But I think more importantly, as you, as you pointed out, I, I try to help agencies become unignorable because uh, what happens if you're ignorable uh, is nothing. Nothing mm. happens. Well, this is a little bit of the case of physician heal thyself here. They are set up as the um, the experts in helping other companies create firm and sustainable lead generation systems turn around. They don't have a firm and sustainable lead generation system to speak of. And even if they did, maybe the person who ran it is uh, three years long gone. And they're kind of like, well, that's interesting. That fizzled out. Where'd Phil go? <laughs> you know? right. um, and sometimes it is completely, you know, wrapped around one person who's come and gone or whatever. But let's talk about that a little bit. What are the most common problems you're hearing? What when, when, when people really finally say, I've got to call Peter, what does that first conversation sound like? What's the... Ugh. Well, I asked two questions. Uh, one is, do you have a business plan? And the second is, do you have a business development plan? And uh, I, it's really painful to hear how many agencies do not have a business plan. And so let's bring this to today. We have a a minor problem right now, which is the advertising industry has shut down. Mm -hmm. And so even if you had a business plan uh, four to six weeks ago, you need to, one needs to examine it and and potentially completely revise it. And uh, I would say that right now, much of what I'm doing with agencies is is revolved about what business should they be in, uh, what services should they offer, how do they offer those services, what kind of staffing do they need. And yes, we get into business development, but they have to understand how they plan on making money in the next one to two years. Mm-hmm. If you can't figure out how you make money, it's very difficult to know what you're selling. Mm-hmm. Now, how does that differ then from the biz dev plan? Well, the business development plan comes out of the business plan. So if the business plan says, you know, I'm going to sell uh, search engine marketing or pay-per-click, and this is how I'm going to make money, and this is what I'm going to charge, and, uh, you know, now I have to go find people to pay me, that's when you develop the plan. So it has to, the business development plan or sales plan, let's just keep it simple, use that word. Agencies don't like that word sales. It freaks them out a little bit. (laughs) It's like admitting that they're selling something. Um, but if you don't understand who, just even at the highest level, uh, who's going to buy what your product is and who's going to buy it, it's very difficult to develop a sales plan. I mean, just think of Procter & Gamble. Um, I've been using, you know, a lot of us are uh, becoming uh, really, really good at cleaning their homes these days. And uh, so I've rediscovered the Swifter, okay? <laughs> even even in San Miguel de Allende, all the way down to Mexico, uh, you've got the yeah. Swifter. <laughs> well, I'll send some of my dust up to you. I'll package it. Maybe maybe that's something I can sell. Well, um, when you send it, please send some toilet paper. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? We're well stocked down here. Maybe that. Maybe I should shift businesses. <laughs> I love that uh, pivot. This is the new pivot for the yeah, Peter Leviton pitch. A, I'm definitely in a pivoting um, so, uh, you know, the bottom line is uh, Proctor said uh, we want to we're in the business of helping people clean. That's part of the business plan. Then they have a product that they develop and then they have to market it, which is essentially who, who are we selling this to? Uh, uh, what is our brand position and what is the messaging? 
And that's the same for an agency. So if an agency can't figure out that they're in the Swifter business, uh, it's very difficult to say, okay, now what's our sales plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that, that is so true. And it's almost like, I like how you kind of said it. It's it's kind of, it is a dirty word, uh, you know, that they're actually selling something. But my friends, we're all selling something. <laughs> and, and, you know, one of the things I see that um, a lot of the agencies uh, who don't have a plan is that they never really, you know, like took themselves on as an agency, you know, and as a, yeah, as a client yeah. within the agency. And it, this is interesting, but, and I'll, I'll say this not necessarily to our own horn, but because you really instilled it in me early, you know, we, we run all of our project management through Trello. And one of the first Trello boards that we created was ourselves, Little Bird Marketing as our plan and completely lined it out. What are the steps? What are, what's the business plan? Then where's the biz dev plan? Who's our personas? What are we marketing to? How does that message go? Et cetera, et cetera. And that really comes from a really clear understanding of getting, you know, things organized and understanding that your life in agency has to revolve around process. And that's my gem that I got from Mr. Peter Leviton. So can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm glad that you have some memory here um, or maybe that you, you, you know, that I actually said things that you took to heart. Uh, here's a, really there's certain bar- bottom lines. Um, the agency has to view business development as a client. You know, because what you hear, and I'm not even going to use the metaphor everybody uses about shoes and children, I won't mention that, uh, shoemakers, and I'm not going to mention that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's it's sort of reached the point of obnoxious. If an agency tells me they don't have the time to, to do business development, then they might as well close up and, you know, get on the bike and go for a ride. <clears throat> the bottom line is you have to uh, create, if my agency had client codes, I'm sure most do, you know, uh, a number which we assign to the client. Uh, We assigned people to the client. We had meetings about uh, what the plan was and who was going to execute the plan. Uh, That's how you have to treat business development. It can't be be something that you kind of put on the back burner. And so one, it has to become a client. Uh, The agency is its own client. Uh, Process rules, it's mind-blowing to me. Uh, I get, I'm asked this question all the time, Uh, can you help us with our process? I mean, there's just, there isn't process as in what business are we in? What are we selling? Who are we selling it to? Uh, what are this? What's our strategy? What are we going to do in terms of tactics? Uh, you know, I haven't mentioned this word, but I will now. You know, how do we become become unignorable? Uh, I'm not going to mention Reggie Jackson again unless you ask me. <laughs> and um, you know, most agencies are unfortunately ignorable. I will tell you that Little Bird is not because uh, you know there's it, it's run by a person uh, who has higher than uh, a high level of energy. Uh, uh, <laughs> most agencies, unfortunately, can become somewhat somnambulant, and you better not be fucking asleep at the wheel uh, right now, or else I'm I'm going to tell you a third of the agencies will be out of business in one year, if not sooner. Oh, there's your pulled quote right there from our podcast. I got to tell you, I completely agree. And just because I know you're trying to learn Spanish, you know, since you came up with that amazingly great vocab word, just so you know, you can also say in Spanish, "sombulante." <laughs> okay. and, and that's my little Spanish gift to you, Peter. Right. How, about, how about another one? Muerto. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, fair so, enough. Look, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be difficult. You know, I know that there are lots of people talking about the virus and the situation, but I, I will guarantee you this. 
this is going to this is uh, one of the worst industries uh, to be in, or one of the, one of the most affected industries is is marketing and advertising, especially advertising agencies. I've been uh, through too many recessions. This one is not a recession. It's for the industry a depression. And um, I, I'm thinking now that agencies are probably getting into phase three, and this has all happened within six to eight weeks. Phase one was freak out. Phase two was, oh shit, we better control our costs. Uh, phase three is we better get back and control our costs even more. And uh, you know, what are we gonna do about this? And I think they're starting to wake up now and ask themselves the question, what are we gonna do about sales? because the current clients are reducing budgets or there's a lot more handholding, you name it. Uh, but if you're not bringing on new business, you got a problem. And I, I, I guarantee you one third of the agencies are going to uh, come out of this stronger than they went in. And uh, somebody has to decide if I want to be one of those agencies. Oh, I love that. And you, you know, you referenced the podcast recently I had with Kristen Luck, and she and I agree with that because it is really interesting. We did discuss a little bit the dichotomy that we're having some calls where people are drinking from fire hoses and really their plan, it was working before, but now the plan, all the bait was laid out there and now everybody's going, oh yeah, we will take it. And and then they had other people who, you know, they were doing what you were saying, like word of mouth referral. Maybe it was happening just fine, but there was nothing else out there. And now they, it's just crickets. It's like someone walked out and just shut, you know, turn, flip the light off. Right. Well, let me, I, you know, I said at the beginning, I was going to talk about myself because I view myself to a certain extent is a, a, a litmus test. Um, my business uh, is counseling, advertising, PR, digital agencies, very simple. And when I started doing this after I sold my agency, I don't know, let's say six, seven years ago, uh, there were a handful of people like me coaching agencies. Today, uh, there are two or three or four handfuls. I keep finding new consultants. And why? Because, uh, one, I think they saw people like me and figured out, wow, I can make a living, uh, you know, working from home or in my case, working from anywhere in the world. And now, given the, you know, given the fact that there are a lot of very smart people on the street, I'm getting a sense that consulting is becoming a you know, well more than a sense. I know it's true is become coming a hot way to make a living or try to make a living. So my competition, like in advertising agencies, has gotten uh, stiffer. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I was talking to one of my friends in the business about a year ago, and I said, "Why? Why are my leads?" And I'm being very honest with you guys. Why? Why do I have fewer leads today than I did a year ago? And he said, well, Peter, he happens to have a Southern accent. I won't try it. Um, <laughs> but it sounded good. And, you know, Southern people sound nice. Mm -hmm. And that was smart. You know, you know what I mean? It's and all a part are, of the smoke screen, Peter. Here exactly. it comes. <laughs> and that's why Missouri's in the middle. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, here's what's happening. And, uh, uh, you know, again, I'm going to use it as a metaphor for or analogy. I don't know which word for, for the advertising business. There are more people like me. There are more people like me using social media and content as a draw, uh, which dilutes the effectiveness. Uh, there are uh, there's more confusion in the market. I'm not sure how an agency figures out which consultant to use. My general positioning is that I am the most experienced business development consultant. And, you know, any people can argue that point. But having been doing it for 20 years, I'd say I probably am. But uh, it's, it's, the competition's interesting. So I apply the same rules that I, that I work with agencies on. I'm trying to be unignorable. 
So in the next few weeks, uh, I'm having a, I'm being very tactical right now. I'm having a Donald Trump impersonator do ads for me. <laughs> I'm stealing ideas from a 1970s, actually he's still active in now, but he got famous in the 70s, a conceptual artist who got famous by shooting himself in the arm. Uh, mm-hmm. I know if this sounds crazy, I guarantee you that it hopefully will be unignorable. Okay, I and, like that. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm trying as hard as I can to use my creative brain to get my message out wrapped in an unignorable message. And that's one of the things that agencies have to figure out. Generally, they're creative, but there are so many saying the same thing and doing the same thing. Now, I look at you and you've got a podcast and you've got videos and you have energy. Uh, you're one of the unignorables. That's different from what Hillary said, right? She had some other word. That right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got you. But I have to say, I think you might win the trophy. I think you're the first person who's ever mentioned Chris Burden on my podcast. So that's... Oh, good for you. Very good for you. Well, I... you'll, uh, you'll laugh, I think. Uh, uh, yes, Chris Burden, good for you. Uh, and I might even get Reggie Jackson to do a, quote, commercial, <laughs> unquote, for me. Okay. I'm going to ask now. So tell me about the Reggie Jackson connection. Well, okay. Uh, Reggie, uh, I've, I, in my photography days, I photographed Reggie for the cover of San Francisco Magazine. Um, so that was, to put it mildly, a long time ago. I then was in Yankee Stadium when he hit three home runs in a World Series game. No, he was not waving at me, but it was to say that that was like, <laughs> and I need, some of your people don't quite get this, three home runs in one World Series mm-hmm. game. Uh, I then, years later, wrote about Reggie in my book. Don't you love it when people are... Uh, uh, being interviewed for a podcast, my book, The Levitan Pitch, by yes. this book. Well, if you pitches. if you hadn't mentioned it, I was gonna I was gonna close right. with that, so no problem. <laughs> Go for but it. I, I mentioned Reggie because he's in the Hall of Fame, and how did he get in the Hall of Fame? And that even with a two eighty six bat, batting average, he got in the Hall of Fame, which really means if you can win three of the pitches that you know one third of the pitches that you're in, you're, you should be in good shape if you're pitching the right business. That's a whole nother subject, which I won't get into. Uh, but let's just say I have a connection back to Reggie and uh, he might do a 30 second. I mean, really lame in a way, but, you know, say, hey, I know Peter Levitin. He's great. What's the point? The point is I'm borrowing his interest. Mm. And if you're a 50 year old agency owner, you know who Reggie Jackson is. And I guarantee you no other business development director, consultant type like me is is going to try to pull this stuff. So, uh, you know, I'll give it a shot. And I've got some other things up my sleeve, but I'm actually applying the kind of advice I give to agencies to myself. Hmm. Well, did you know, I don't think we've ever discussed this, but did you know that I actually worked with Will Ferrell as a teller in Wells Fargo in California? <laughs> True story. So maybe I should go deep here on, the, on this one. Well, I, so Will Ferrell, if you're listening, sure, contact me. I'm, I'm going to create a spot with you. <laughs> well, you know, I know Will very well, and uh, I, I know him well enough to know that he's sitting at home right now. <laughs> I think he's being attacked by his children, so <laughs> that's how it's going to go. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the spectrum um, of where, where agencies find themselves. Um, you, you've mentioned this to me a little bit about like being mindful of where you are in your agency build. And I'm sure that this, you know, this whole current situation is impacting people differently. But can you give us just a little bit of your thoughts on, you know, what what is a, a 
decision right now that someone who has a brand new agency could do? What is something that has someone who could do at that has kind of a middle? And I don't mean I'm not talking size, like large size, small size. I'm talking about in their growth stage. If they're a young company, if they're a mid middle age company, if they're a you know turning into a legacy com- company, should they be doing something different, or it, 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 does that even apply at this point? Well, I don't know if there is a one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, I think it really depends uh, on how the agency views their product as being unique and different. And, you know, that's a very difficult question. Uh, Do they have a USP? Let's go back to sort of Procter & Gamble, a unique selling proposition. Uh, You know, the kind of proposition that a client out there might say, oh, I better talk to these people. And I'm not inventing some of these thoughts. I, I, I think I think my the thing that I add to the program is is really highly executional. How, how do you actually make turn these things into actionable, uh, energetic programs? But the next thing I'm going to mention is what's your expertise? Mm-hmm. People will generally listen to an expert, and uh, you know that really comes down to positioning. Uh, either you're an expert in Missouri, or you're an expert in search engine marketing, or you're an expert in healthcare. Uh, that expertise has to align with the market. And, and in today's shifting market, uh, it, I think it's incredibly difficult, but you really have to zero in on what is the offer that I can make. And I'm not saying a sales offer. I'm just even talking a conversational offer that I can make to get somebody's attention. And what can I offer them that's of value? Mm-hmm. And today, a lot of it uh, is not so much, I'm, hey, I can make ads for you. It, it might be the agency doing some research in the marketplace or finding the research. There's a ton of it and repackaging it and sending it out. Um, you probably know, uh, uh, I'll call them competitors, so we're on different space. Uh, RSWUS, I'll say that again, RSWUS, which is a company that will actually do uh, run your business development program for you, as in they make the phone calls, et cetera. They produce great research. Hmm. And it's hard to ignore them, back to the word ignore, because they're producing research that agencies should read. I read it all the time. They're very close friends. Um, if an agency is in the healthcare space, they might consider using Google research and doing some healthcare research, ask five questions. All of a sudden, their information is of value to the hospital down the street that maybe they'd like as a client. So I believe right now it's highly, once you get your objective squared away and you figure out who you are and what your business plan is, you have to be executionally excellent. Hmm. Otherwise, people will just not pay attention to you. You know, you mentioned that, executionally excellent, and you've mentioned a couple of things. First of all, you've mentioned Chris Burden, you've mentioned Reggie Jackson, and I mentioned Will, Will Ferrell, but there's a little idea here, and case in point, you're on my podcast. I've carefully curated and built this audience, and here, you know, you've made connections so much so that I want you to be on my show because I'm careful about my content, but yet you're getting the benefit of all the work I've done to cultivate this audience. And so this is why I love the whole podcast situation because, you know, I'm. It, it, this is the truth of it. I'm using you and you're using me, and I love these win-wins. And you talk a lot about win-wins. 
Um, And I think a lot of people, and and correct me if you think I'm wrong, but you've lived overseas like I have. There is this crazy American do-it-yourself, you know, kind of thing. And and there's a lack sometimes of that collaboration from an agency owner to say, well, I can't build it on myself. Why can't I just leverage someone else's audience? Why can't I, you know, partner with someone in a way that could help me with that executional excellence? Well, yes. I mean, it's called borrowing interest. And uh, so let me mention a couple of things. Uh, Is it going to be Reggie Jackson? No. (laughs) no. I'm done done with Reggie. Okay, Uh, let's move on. (laughs) Side note, Mr. October, as he he calls himself. Um, uh, I'll mention two things. Um, Agencies, if they they actually come up with a message worth listening to, (laughs) um, might want to take a look at a website called Listen Notes. Listen Notes, which is a search engine for podcasts. Because if, if, if you're a podcaster, uh, many of them need content. And the, and the great content is an interview, which you're doing right now. So you're completely on the ball. You got it. So I would say listen notes. Uh, and now let me, I'll just reference another great podcast called the Marketing Book Podcast. Mm, yeah, um, I, I listen to him. Okay, excellent. And uh, so I'll recommend a book. I, 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 w- I was telling those guys yesterday that... Um, Uh, I listened to the podcast and I actually, well, I bought a couple of their books off the podcast, but I have one in particular by a gentleman named Stu Heineke. So don't worry about the spelling. (laughs) The book is fantastic. It's called How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. All right. And I am 100% aligned with Stu and his message because, again, I'm, I'm using borrowed interest to get the attention of people and ask for a meeting. Uh, The gentleman that wrote the book, is and was a cartoonist for the Wall Street Journal. So he used his cartoons to get meetings. And he claims that he got meetings with 100% of the people that he contacted. Awesome. Now, you can't get a meeting and then wind up saying the same shit that every other agency <laughs> says. Uh, right. So, you know, this is it. And I hesitate to use this word because it got hackneyed 10 years ago, but it's a 360 degree process. Uh, Yes, it's wonderful to get the meeting, but man, you better have something useful to say. Mm, oh my gosh, I love that. And that's true because sometimes there's people who call and, you know, they want to be on our show. And, you know, really what it is, it, it's just a thinly veiled, you know, pitch that is so tone deaf to my audience. <laughs> like, right. why on earth would I do that? I've worked so hard to create this audience and get people to listen because they find value here. So yeah, if someone wants to come on and they have nothing great to say, yeah, they could have gotten to me, but good Lord, I'm not going to actually, we may even record it, but I'm not going to publish it. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, you know, it's um, I, in my conversation yesterday, and tell me if I'm getting off track here, but I, I think it's, I think it's important to, I don't, you know, I, I actually walk my talk, right? And I, that sounds kind of lame, but I, but I, you know, I do it. Um, so I'm talking to Doug Burdett, who runs the Marketing Book Podcast, and uh, he's saying, so how's business? And I said the same thing to you. I said, well, my client base is in shock. Uh, and I said, but I am thinking about something that I see all the time when I talk to agencies. They do not know how to manage, to train and manage their account management team, their mm-hmm. account executives. Uh, it's just, it's like a lost art. And it's a function of many things. One is there's really no training anymore for account account executives. And the second is account executives have really become, in many cases, project managers. Mm. 
So they've ceased to be strategic partners of the client. Uh, I, I always reference that when I when I ran the Northwest Airlines account at Saatchi, I would say, and this is re- weird when I think about it, I, I, I was invited to board of directors meetings at Northwest Airlines, and I really sort of held the, ch- the position in the room as being the uh, representative of the uh, of the customer, right? Yes. They would turn to me and say, Peter, what do you think? You know, we're thinking of serving... Um, a guacamole on the flight. What do you think? And I, I would say, well, you know, um, only half the people know what guacamole is, right? <laughs> a lot of agencies they don't they don't know either they don't know to or they don't know how to fight for a position to really, you know, be a voice at the table. And you're right, they take the subservient role of kind of order takers and project managers. But that's not, you know, if we really have expertise, that's not who we should be. We should be fighting for the voice of the consumer. Because yeah. in the end, we're going to be judged based on whether or not they say yes or no to this client of ours. Right. Um, so that's where we should be measured. And maybe maybe it's a little bit more of a function, too, of, you know, maybe the measurement has gone askew. And so that's why we don't really train people to be that high level, you know, uh, um, big picture or critical thinker. We talk about being critical thinkers all the time, not order takers, you know, um, um, here at Little Bird. Um, but, yeah, they're counting on us. And that, that does make a huge difference. But we can't fall into that. OK, whatever you say. And it's yes. easy because some of those, you know, some clients are pretty forceful and maybe even they have, you know, a lot of emotional um, emotional um, issues without clear demand. Sometimes that happens and it, and it is very hard for a new, you know, a new either content management specialist or, uh, you know, the account exec to handle some of those just difficult emotions in a meeting if they don't have that anchoring or that grounding in no, I I have uh, something to say. I'm, there's a reason I'm here in this room still, and I'm still going to speak for the consumer. Yes, I'm agreeing with you. Uh-huh. I'll, let me, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, you, you mentioned emotion, and uh, you know I think we have lost sometimes in the past ten plus years of digital marketing the understanding that emotion emotion sells. So I'm not going to talk about advertising, which I could talk about, but I'm going to let me just talk about uh, what emotion means. I had a Nike client. I was very lucky. I had two pieces of business at Nike that were recurring, which means they weren't projects. Every, every, we did the work, you know, tw- uh, 12 months a year. One was Major League Baseball marketing, and the other one was marketing for Nike college products. And one of the executives at Nike, uh, one of my clients, uh, uh didn't really understand what her, her objectives were. And I think it's a failure of people at the top. I mean, basically, her objective was sell more jerseys, you know, <laughs> which meant college name and Nike logo on it. Now, that's what they wanted to sell. And I said, well, uh, you know, what are the, what's the objective for, uh, you know, the Alabama football team? I mean, what do we want to sell this year? Right. And she go, we just want to sell more. And I said, OK, I can't really work with that. Um, let me ask a different question. How do you make your bonus? <laughs> like, you know, you get a bonus, right? Yes. How does Nike determine uh, what your bonus is? She told me. I said, okay, that's my new goal. My new goal is to get you your bonus. <laughs> so it converted a sort of a rational conversation into one, one certainly rational, but much more emotional. Right. And I got a smile. And, uh, you know, in a way, that's what, because she said, okay, I get my bonus based on this criteria. And I said, that's what we're going to meet. Right. Now that was, you know, to turn uh, to a certain extent, by me uh, an emotional sell. Mm-hmm. 
And today you've got, you know, you got marketing directors. Um, we can look at them as people that are reducing their budgets, or we can look at them as people that are like totally freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was just on a call it. yesterday with a client in California and I just kind of had to stop from and I'm like, Hey, Hey, I, I, I know you're hurting. I know, I know this is hard. Just, let's just take a deep breath. What, what, what are we going to do next? Yeah. What's the next step? And just bringing some of that humanity and empathy back into the moment is key. These are humans who are struggling to wanting to keep their own employees going. They want, obviously, the livelihood of their family. And it, it is sometimes a recognition of that emotion and uh, and that humanity that is absolutely called for, you know, in in creating marketing plans. Yes. Well, I'll, here, I, let me use something as an example, and it won't be a sales call. I was listening to Scott Galloway's podcast yesterday. Uh, and Scott, who is often with Kara Swisher doing Pivot, you mentioned the word pivot earlier. Uh, he has his own podcast. And if people don't know who Scott Galloway is, G-E-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y, they should be whipped because they should be listening to him. Um, he takes questions at the end of his podcast, very smart podcast. And um, he, got a call, he got a question from an agency owner in Birmingham, England. And the guy says, basically, my business is going down the tubes. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wrote his name down and I'm going to send. Uh, and so this is this is not business development. This is just being a wonderful human being. And I'm really referring to me at this point. Uh, I'm going to send an email to this guy and I'm going to say, hey, man, you want to talk? I heard you. I heard you on the podcast. Uh, I think that and he will probably never be a client of mine. And that's fine. It's That's not the point. The point is uh, right now we have to be um, sweet consultants to the clients out there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, most people don't use the word sweet when it comes to business development, but I, you use the word human. I, I think that the agencies that will survive are going to be smart, are going to be thought leaders, are going to understand their expertise and are going to be incredibly sensitive. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah. That word, I think it's very important right now. Oh, man, you just hit the nail on the head. I love it. I love it. Okay, let me let me hit you with one last question because you and I could talk forever and we're, uh, um, yes. yeah, it, it, there's so much good stuff here. But, you know, uh, we have this mutual friend, Kristen Luck, and she said on the podcast, she said, you know, action brings relief because um, that's just been her own experience. But I'd like to hear that from you. If you, you know, just give one thing. What is an action you think that agency owners really need to do today, even if it's a question they must ask themselves, that it's just a matter of agency life or death right now? What is it? Well, you're going to think I'm insane because I'm going to give you a slightly, uh, you know, uh, insane answer. Um, a few weeks ago, I created a t-shirt. I went to my t-shirt guy in, in my town in Mexico. And I said, I, I just need a few of these uh, on the front in, in type, only in, only in type. It said, if, if tiny, it said, if you can read this, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> all right. So I, I sent that to all my agency friends, uh, you know, my clients. Uh, I don't know if I did to you, but I posted it also on LinkedIn. And I said, I said, this is a, you know, I didn't have to say this. It's a funny T-shirt. If you want to borrow it, the I do this. I had two agency clients say to me, can, can, may I print these for my own clients? I said, absolutely. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So when you say action, 
I, again, you know, I'm making my weird videos. I'm making T-shirts. I'm, I'm going to hire just for my house uh, an artist uh, to paint a little mural on the outside for children at a children's eye level. But something that will make them smile. I'm thinking of a penguin. Um, again, this is an off-the-wall answer. But if you sit at home and navel gaze, you'll fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, action, getting Reggie Jackson, getting Donald Trump to do my own advertising, you know, uh, whether it works or not, I know I'm moving the ball down the field. And I, I think that that's, that's critical. I love it. Well, um, we will be sending you one of our T-shirts, which is hilarious that you brought that up because we just uh, about a week and a half ago started a campaign we're doing um, called ABH. And it's our hashtag, our new hashtag on LinkedIn and, and Twitter, um, always be helping. And every time we see someone helping, we're just going to go send them one of our little bird T-shirts that says Team ABH. And we're going to be sending that, uh, starting that campaign here really soon. And um, you have been helpful to me. You've been helpful to so many others, um, taking an hour out of your time to really give us the expertise. And I know a lot of agency owners and other small business owners, they're they're hurting. And a lot of this advice really applies to them, too. Um, so I, from the bottom of my heart, Peter, thank you so much for always being so generous with your expertise. I have always appreciated it. Uh, well, you're one of my favorites, and uh, someday I'll get to uh, Missouri. Yes. Well, you know what? Skip that. I'm coming to San de Allende as soon as, like, you know, we can fly somewhere, and I'm going to have that margarita, and I'm going to sit in front of that penguin mural. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Peter. My pleasure. From all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day. Do some action. Get something done. Just do something. And as always, happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.